I'm a local loan officer in West Palm Beach, Florida. I've been in the mortgage industry for the last eight years. I've worked in the industry throughout the country. I've closed over a thousand loans during my career, so I've seen it all. I'm on a mission to make mortgages both entertaining and educational. Welcome to Lending with Leah. This is the podcast for anyone thinking of potentially owning, in the process of buying, or even owns their own home. I know we're usually kind of magical today, though. I don't know how magical of an episode today is going to be. So today I am breaking down credit for you guys. It is probably the number one question I get, and it's also probably the number one reason why I can't pre-approve someone for a loan. Whether that's their minimum credit score just doesn't meet the requirements, or there's other particular items on their credit that stop them from getting a mortgage. That being said, it's not as scary as it seems once you break it down. I think the thing with credit is that it's just not taught, right? I don't know of anyone who's ever said, yeah, when I was in school, I was taught about credit and how credit works and the importance of it. Almost no one knows about credit unless you're taught it from your parents or someone older than you, or you learn after you've made a few credit mistakes. I hear that one all the time as well. Today, I'm going to just kind of jump right into the episode because I have a lot of information to give you guys, and I'm really going to break out two key things when it comes to credit. So the first one is that I'm gonna go over six different points on how your credit impacts your mortgage. I'm gonna go over mortgage guidelines and really give you guys an insight, or an insight, an inside view on what a lender really looks for when it comes to credit. And then the second half, I'm gonna actually give you guys six tips on how to fix your credit because look, At the end of the day, credit repair companies, great, but look, you can do it yourself and you don't have to pay someone to do it because most likely you are going to have to put some money into fixing your credit in order to get it fixed. So if you already have to do that, why would you pay someone else to do it when you can literally just take control of it and do it yourself? So that's what we're really going to go over today. But first part first, how does your credit impact your mortgage? Point number one, or I guess question number one, what is the minimum credit score requirement to get a loan? Any guesses? Any guesses? No. Okay, that's fine. I'll go over it. So a conventional mortgage is going to have a 620 minimum credit score. This is going to be for both Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. FHA, most people think the minimum credit score is 580. However, I will let you guys in on a little trick. So FHA, 580 is the minimum credit score if you want to put 3.5% down. But FHA will actually let you go as low as 500 if you can put 
10% down. So a lot of people don't know that trick. If you have a lot of money sitting aside and maybe not the best credit score, you might actually be eligible for an FHA loan still. What about VA? VA is my favorite because guess what? There technically is no minimum credit score requirement for a VA loan. That being said, there are other requirements you have to meet. Just because you have a 450 credit score and you're a vet does not necessarily mean you're going to qualify for a VA loan. Let's set that straight. But it is a possibility. Now, minimum credit score requirements. I want to let everyone who's listening in on a little secret here is that just because you meet the minimum credit score requirement does not mean you're going to get approved for that type of loan. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I have found during my time in this career, also time in life, is that honesty seems to be the best policy. Now, every loan, at at least within the realm I'm talking about here, so your conventional, your FHA, and your VA loans, are all going to be run through an automated underwriting system. The most popular one is called Desktop Underwriter, or DU for short. Now, Freddie Mac, which is conventional, has their own, it's called Loan Prospector, or LP. What is this? (laughs) Basically, it is a automated underwriting system. It runs your application, plus your credit report through a risk. It's basically just a fancy risk algorithm. And this risk algorithm is going to give you an approval or a denial. Now, for example, let's say you're trying to get a conventional loan and you have a 680 credit score. Well, the minimum's technically 620. That being said, I have still seen where people at a 680, even up to 700, we're trying to go conventional. We run the loan through the underwriting system and we don't get an approval. I've seen this happen on FHA and VA loans as well. And unfortunately, there's not an exact science to it. So a The underwriting system isn't going to come out and just say, oh, because your credit score is X, that's why you're not getting an approval. You'll basically get a list of things that say, oh, due to risk factors exceeding a certain threshold, this loan is not approvable. So (laughs) that is why I like to share that information with you guys is, again, just because these are the minimum credit score requirements does not necessarily mean the loan is going to get approved if you meet the minimum. This is why it's so, so important to have a qualified loan officer do a thorough pre-approval and always ask them too, you guys. Ask your loan officer if they ran desktop underwriter or loan prospector, that underwriting system, on your loan before giving you that pre-approval just to make sure everything's going to go through nice and smoothly. All right, and point two, we're going to talk Credit Karma versus the credit score your mortgage company pulls. 
I use Credit Karma because that is definitely the most well-known credit monitoring service out there. There's a ton of them, ton of them. The ones you get every month with your credit card or maybe that your bank provides you. And of course, Credit Karma. All of these we refer to as credit monitoring services. It is going to be different than what your mortgage company pulls. Also, let's say you're applying for a auto loan or a credit card. The credit score that's pulled through those is also going to be different from what your mortgage company pulls. Why? <laughs> Why? Like this, I get it. It seems stupid. I think it's stupid, but it's beyond my control. So I'm just here to talk to you guys about it. And that's it. Why is that? It's because mortgage companies use a different scoring model than all these other credit monitoring services, auto loans, credit cards. We use a different scoring model. And I would say not with 100% certainty, but the majority of the time, the scoring model used for mortgage companies is going to be more difficult or challenging or not as nice than some of the other services that you see out there. So I would prepare that if Credit Karma shows you a nice, really pretty score, just mentally prepare yourself that it may be a little bit lower than that when your mortgage company pulls it. Point three, how do mortgage companies actually determine your credit score? So I just talked about how mortgage companies use a different scoring model compared to other places. How do they actually come up with that score, that three-digit score that you have to use for your mortgage? We pull from three bureaus. Well, I'm holding up two threes, so it's like six, but really three. Three bureaus. Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. We pull all three and your middle score, not your average, the middle score is the one that's used for qualifying. Okay, simple enough. But Leah, what if there's two people on the loan? What if I have a 400 credit score, but my dad wants to co-sign and dad has an 800 credit score? Can't we average? No. When you have more than one person on a mortgage loan, same, same rule applies, right? You pull from all three bureaus, Equifax, Experian, TransUnion, take the middle score, and you do not, again, repeat, do not get to average the credit scores together. You use the lowest credit score out of everyone on the loan. So if one person on the loan has a 580, and another person has a 780. The 580 is what's going to be used to determine your interest rate or your mortgage insurance rate or whatever else it may be that's got a determining factor based on your credit score. That being said, if one person has a low credit score and the other person has a high, even though you might not get a benefit for it financially per se in terms of your interest rate or mortgage insurance rate, it might make it more likely to get an approval through 
ding, 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 that underwriting system we talked about before. I have seen it several times where one person's on a loan, don't get an approval through the underwriting system. We add a second person who has a higher credit score and all of a sudden we get an approval because now the risk risk threshold is high enough or low enough, whatever it is, it's workable. So it's still a benefit to have two people on a loan if one has a higher credit score. Just know you're not really getting a benefit for it in your interest rate. Good leeway for the next point, which is how does it actually impact your interest rate? Used to be, and I guess technically still is for a little bit longer, there was no additional benefit in your interest rate above a 760. Once you hit 760, whether you're 760, 780, 800, you got the same break or benefit in your interest rate. 760 was the highest. Coming up very soon, effective for loans. Well, I guess this is a backpedal here. This is going to be for Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, which conventional loans for loans purchased. What does that mean? Loans purchased means your home has already closed or your loans already closed and it has been sold to an investor. That's going to be the person you actually make your mortgage payments to sold or purchased. Any loans purchased by May 1st of 2023 for Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, conventional loans are going to have a new high credit score limit. So that limit has been moved or will be getting moved from 760 up to 780. So people who work really hard on their credit and have a really nice high credit score, guess what? You're gonna get a nice little benefit in your rate, whereas you would not have you know, a month ago or today. So that piece is kind of cool. And how does it work from there? So let's break it down. You have a 780, you get one set of interest rates. Then it goes in groupings of 20. So 760 to 779, anyone in that category gets a certain rate. And then 740 to 759, 720 to 739. I think you follow my drift here. Every 20 is a new category. So if your interest, or not your interest rate, if your credit score is 699, you're gonna get a a worse rate than someone who hits 700, even though there's only a point difference. That's kind of how that's determined. Now, little inside scoop, but how do collections and charge-offs hurt you in a mortgage process? This one's a little bit more of a loaded question, so let's break it down per loan type. FHA, all right, everyone's with me, we're all on the same page. We're gonna just simply talk FHA loans for right now. If you have a charge off on an FHA loan, nothing really happens. 
nothing. I'll give an example. So I was working with a client who actually had about $100,000 worth of student loans, privately backed student loans that were in collections or man, excuse me, not collections. They were charge offs because they were charge offs. We didn't have to count anything. They are just kind of there. Now it does negatively impact your credit score, but there's not really an additional negative impact on the loan outside of that. Collection accounts, on the other hand, that's going to be a little bit, a little bit of a different story. So collection accounts, and these are going to be non-medical collection accounts. If you have medical collections, that is, it's in a whole different bucket. You don't really have to worry about it if it's a medical collection. So if you have non-medical collections and the total balance amongst all the collections, meaning not just per single collection, but let's say you have five collections and they each are $1,000. The total balance is 5,000. If this is the case, you get three options. Option one, pay off the collections in full. I don't know many people that want to do that. It's there is an option, probably not option one for a lot of people, but option. Two, you can get set up on a payment plan with the collection agency and we can utilize what your payment plan payment is in your debt to income ratio. This is going to affect how much you can qualify for. Option three, which is you don't do anything with these collection accounts. You don't have to pay them. You don't have to get set up on a payment plan, but your lender AKA me is going to hit you for 5% of the balance as a monthly payment in your debt to income ratio. So again, you're not set up on a payment plan. You're not paying anything off. It's like an imaginary payment, but it is going to dramatically impact what you can qualify for. If I have to magically hit you for $500 a month, because that's 5% of the balance of your collection accounts, that's $500 a month that does not go towards your mortgage. Meaning you can't qualify for as high of a loan amount. And usually that means you can't qualify for as high of a purchase price. Keep that in mind. Now that we just did FHA, let's talk conventional. So Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, I'm going to lump them into one here. So doesn't matter. They're just, they're both together. If you are purchasing a one unit primary home, you are not required to pay off collections or charge off accounts, no matter the balance. Yay! It's like the best option. Woo! Now, this changes though. So let's say you want to buy a two to four unit primary home, or you're buying a second home, which is like a vacation home. If you have collections 
and or charge-offs, they're getting lumped together, that equal total $5,000 or more, they must be paid off in full prior to or at closing. That is an option. Then you have investment properties. This one's going to be the most strict. So if you are purchasing an investment property, individual collection accounts or charge-offs of $250 or more must be paid off. And total, if you have collections or charge-offs totaling $1,000 or more, those are required to be paid off at or prior to closing. What about VA loans? VA is very gray in this area. So if you have collections or charge-offs on your credit report that are reporting a required minimum monthly payment, VA is most likely going to make you count that payment. But outside of that, you may or may not have to pay off collections or charge-offs. It's going to kind of be a case-by-case basis. Oftentimes, though, if you can show that you have established good credit again, what is that? That means that within the last 12 months, you have not had any derogatory items on your credit. There's a good chance you might be good. If you're looking for a VA loan and you have a lot of collections or charge-offs, though, make sure to really check in with your loan officer on that. Item six, and the last one before I give you all the great tips on how to fix your credit, disputed accounts. Okay, when you dispute an account, it does not get factored into your credit score. Mortgage companies don't normally like it when you dispute accounts, and they usually won't let you. This is because, or to prevent people who have a bunch of negative items on their credit from going in, disputing everything, and then applying for a mortgage and getting an inflated credit score. If you are disputing accounts, my recommendation is to finish that dispute process before applying for your mortgage. Otherwise, your mortgage person, me, might be calling you saying, hey, I need you to remove that dispute and dispute verbiage from that account, and then we're going to re-pull credit, and we're going to get your true credit score. So if you're disputing it, just get it taken care of right from the get-go. Now we're moving on to the final and probably, at least in my opinion, the best part of today's episode, which is how do we actually fix your credit? You've gotten yourself into a sticky situation. Your credit score isn't great. How do you actually go about fixing it? So I'm going to give you six tips on how to fix your credit. Tip one, we're going to look at revolving credit. This is usually going to be just like your credit cards. You want to keep your utilization at 30% or less. Leah, what's utilization? Oh, I will let you know. Utilization is going to be your credit limit divided by your balance. If you have a credit card that has a limit of $1,000, keeping your utilization at 30% or less would mean keeping your balance at $300 or less. I recommend keeping each individual credit card at a 30% utilization or less. 
don't have a bunch of cars that don't have balances, and then you have one that's completely maxed out. Keep each individual credit card at 30% utilization. Tip two, medical collections. This one is a biggie. So as of July 1st of last year, so this is new, 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 new news. If you pay off a medical, again, specify medical collection in full, it drops off your credit. Oh, that's huge. That is huge. Because let me lay this out for you guys real fast. There is no difference in your score between a paid and an unpaid collection. I will repeat that. No difference in your score between a paid and an unpaid collection. The way you take care of collection accounts is by getting them removed from your credit. So this is huge. Medical collections, when you pay them, now automatically get removed. If your credit bureaus are not removing them after you pay them, dispute the heck out of them because they should be removed. Also, as of July 1st, 2022, medical collections under $500 are to no longer even be reported on your credit. Oh. Yay! So again, I will repeat, if you have medical collections under $500 that are continuing to show up on your credit report, dispute them because as of last summer, they should no longer be showing up on your credit at all. Tip three, non-medical collections. Okay, so I just went over no difference between a paid and an unpaid medical collect, not medical, just collections in general. How do you get a benefit to your score then? Through doing pay for deletions. How does this work? You call your collection agency and you negotiate with them. You say, Hey, Mr. Collection Agency, um, yeah, see about that collection account. I, I'm willing to pay it, but uh, if and only if you agree to permanently delete it from my account after I pay it. If they try to pull some shenanigans and they're like, oh, we can't do that, but we can show it up and we can uh, update it to a paid in full, a zero balance. Look, I'm a loan officer. I normally don't recommend not paying your bills, but in terms of collection accounts, I would recommend not paying it. Just because once you pay it, you lose any leverage you have to get them to delete it. The goal is to get them to delete non-medical collections, not to just pay them. Tip four, charge-offs. If you have a charge-off, pay it. That will actually help boost your score a little bit by paying off charge-offs. Again, make sure it's a charge-off and not a collection before you pay it, but go ahead and pay those charge-offs. Tip five, how to properly dispute an account. I think we hear this all the time when it comes to disputing accounts. Oh, I just pressed like a dispute button through my Credit Karma or Equifax and I will tell you, you're probably not going to get very far doing that. My suggestion, if you want to dispute an account, 
especially when there's inaccurate information there. I would call the collection agency or the charge off or the place that has inaccurate late payments reporting, whatever negative item it is, call that agency and ask them, I need to dispute some information on this account. I need the fax number or the email address or the whatever on where I need to send my dispute request. Get that information first. Then I would actually put together a letter as to why you're disputing it, what information is inaccurate, why it should be removed. And then if you have supporting documentation to go along with it, I highly suggest sending it. That seems to be a really great way to get things taken off your credit. And today, the last tip, tip six, start with the least expensive items first and work your way up to the most expensive. If you have 10 collections on your account and the cheapest is 50 and the most expensive is 5,000, start with the lowest one first because you can get more off your credit by taking care of the least expensive ones versus maybe only taking care of one big item. Just work your way up. Not too bad. Well, there you have it. Some little inside scoops on how credit works within the mortgage industry, as well as some tips on how to fix your credit. Ultimately though, if anyone listening in wants a specific like game plan as far as fixing credit, how to get your credit score or just your credit profile in general ready to buy for a mortgage. I do this all the time for my clients whenever they do an application and we do either a soft credit poll or a hard credit poll. If they're not where they need to be, we put together a credit roadmap for them with specific items that they can work on and how to work on them to get their score to where it needs to be. Outside of that, I would love to hear from you guys. What do you like? What do you not like? Are there any topics that you want to hear more about? Let me know. You can find me on all the different platforms, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. I even have an email, lendingwithleah at gmail.com. <laughs> but all the social media is Lending with Leah. That's where you can find me. And tune in again in a couple weeks for the next episode.